재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵. Joining us here in the studio, we have Professor Song Seryeon, and we have Managing Editor for Korea Expose, Koo Seung. Gentlemen, thank you both for joining us once again. Seung, again, when we talk about the kids and the problems they have, you talked about the violence, and you're saying, look, the system is sort of kind of facilitating that type of behavior. Um, what about this idea of a, a, a blame the victim t- type of mentality, which I think people will, might not like, but hey, the youth have problems as well, right? I mean, they're, they have a pressure to succeed, but they're also kind of pushing each other with peer pressure type of things, material goods, if you don't wear the right grade of, remember back in the day, um, North Face jackets that are not of a certain quality, then you're going to be ostracized, or uh, all of these things come into play, and maybe that's all part of the problem? Yes, but isn't it also true that children's desire in a way reflects uh, parents' desire? Sometimes I walk down the streets in Gangnam and I listen to little kids like 11 and they're talking about what cars their parents drive. Is this really something that children see with their innocent eyes? What car? Is that so important for them? Or right. is this something that they kind of hear from their parents and repeat? I was actually teaching at a Hagwon in Gangnam some years ago, and, and all the students there, when I asked them what they want to be, they all said they want to be Secretary General of the United Nations. And I really wondered if they even understood what it means to be <laughs> in that kind of position. Um, I often blame the parents, and perhaps we can have a parent's perspective from Professor Song. But but growing up, I certainly didn't see my father very often, and and they're having times when I asked uh, why Korean parents in general even have children. Are children really seen as something that parents want to have because they want to, or is it something that they parents tend to do because it's part of what you're supposed to do yeah. in Korea as you get older. This is a question perhaps only a parent can really answer here. But but I do wonder there's something fundamentally wrong with this relationship between parents and children in Korea. Mm, parents' perspective, if you ask me, it's it's a tough answer for me because it's an indictment to my lifestyle. Because <laughs> I married so late. <laughs> I, right, which apologize. was not the intention, I'm sure. <laughs> right. but, yeah. but having had two, two kids, I really think that this... Uh, this is an event that everybody should experience because it changes your life and changes your perspective and puts you in a in a mindset that well this is why I'm on this earth. Uh, it's sort of sort of like a kind of genealogical, maybe biological, maybe uh, hardwired uh, lesson that you're supposed to get uh, at a proper age. But I, I think that uh, it, ha- having having kids. Um, just enlarges your life uh, perspective and also um, crystal clear clear why you are doing what you're doing and why you're living um, and striving for what you you do. So uh, I I think that uh, there's a a collective egotistical mentality uh, on these people and while we were on the break, we were talking about People, people saying that it's too expensive to have kids. Uh, it's, it's something that I would say, my God, if you have kids, I, I think you would, you know, uh, still say the same thing, but with uh, sadness and sadness in your heart. Because to say that it's expensive to have precious child, if it's about the money or uh, a child, that, that choice, it's just, okay. But this is maybe something that I'd like to ask both of you because uh, I think it's a pertinent uh, point. Both of you individuals, uh, 
if we had other parents listening or had kids and they're looking, they would say, Professor Song Se-ryeon, uh, Koo Se-ryeon, this is what you're striving for. We've got a, a person who's got a PhD from Stanford University. We have an alumni from Harvard University. We have the top of the cream of the crop people in terms of academic achievement and excellence. Yet that being said, do we strive for that? Is that the goal? I mean, if you guys had to do it all over again and you know that you can feel pride in those accomplishments, but again, when we have... 90% of the population saying we all should be like that. Isn't that a problem? <laughs> well, I certainly got um, I got a tattoo when I graduated. Saying, you rebel? <laughs> well, it says end, end because I wanted an end to my education. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I am very grateful for the education I received because so personally enriching. But it's also a lot of work. And yeah. if you don't want it, you shouldn't have to. But not uh, just for the piece of paper or the pedigree, right? Right. But, but unfortunately in Korea, at least they, a, a lot of children I meet, uh, they aspire to this goal and they don't really understand why. So, so there's, a, I think, a fundamental existential question that needs to be resolved before, before we try to set some kind of collective goal for society. Right. And, and what's interesting, of course, is uh, my brother is also quite well educated and, and he has three children. And, and when, when his children are just born, he would say that um, he wanted his children to do whatever that made them happy. And about 10 years afterward, um, he doesn't live here, lives in California. And, and we're starting to see this kind of hagwon yeah. Yeah, yeah. obsession that is, overtakes a lot of families here in Korea, too. So, so I wonder if it's perhaps easier to say you are less affair about children's education when they're young. But, but as they get older and you are constantly exposed to the mm. kind of societal pressure that everybody else experiences, perhaps your mentality changes and your children end up being the victims, really. It's a difficult, it's a, it's a vicious cycle. It's, you can, we can be aware and we know the statistics. We can see anecdotally the problems, but it's hard to get sucked out of it because we're both parents of two kids, right, right. Professor Song? My kids are a little younger. Uh, mm-hmm. Nursery school, they're already This is a daycare center where you're supposed to just send the kids to play while, you know, the parents can have a little bit of time to do the other things that need, they need to do. My first kid, he is the only kid in his class that does not attend any hagwon of any kind, whether it's a an art school, a, an English school, a, a, some other type of math school, or at-home tutoring, and mm-hmm. we're fine with that. We don't want to spend the unnecessary money, but then there's that case of this not necessarily complete ostracization, but this idea that he's not being able to participate in these activities, that he's with these other kids that are all in a group doing it, and so it comes right. to a point of how do I make sure my kid's happy but also stick to a principle that doesn't seem to be successful here in this country? Does right, that yeah. make sense? It, it makes perfect sense. I, I don't know how we got to this place because uh, if you talk to the people, uh, nobody would say, wow, we have a great system of a hagwon and this competition and we send our kids to the good school. Everybody wants to get out of the system. If right. everybody wants to get out of the system, there, there should have been a solution but the solution has not been forthcoming because it's not easy. I mean, I, I would have said the same thing and did say the same thing. And I, I can probably gather an army of people who would say that, you know, I don't want kids to go through this kind of pressure cooker situation. I don't want to send my kids to Hagwan. But they all do. And their reasons are very sometimes feeble but varied, but they're pretty convincing. Well, if I don't send my kids to Hagwan, he has nobody to play with. Right. 
And it's not just the school system, the, our economic system, the, 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 the way we are valued and classified and, 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 and evaluated. That's what the, the society imposes upon. And if it doesn't change, then the school will not change. So with this enormous kind of complex uh, issues, we kind of relent and back and say, yeah. we'll just throw our money on it, even if we don't have it. Yeah, go ahead, because we're both from California. You just talked about mm-hmm. your brother. Yes. So you can go, I want to get out of this system. I'm going to move to a country that doesn't yeah. have that. Go to the United there are, States. There are hagwons in New Zealand, too, are, I heard. Yeah, there, there are pockets of Koreans that swarm to a place. Mm-hmm. If you see in po- places in California, I mean, there's also a Chinese element as well, but mm-hmm. cram schools, uh, tutoring services, all of them fighting to get into the, the Ivy Leagues or uh, top-notch institutions, and it's just getting so competitive that... It's, it looks like that situation can turn like Korea, maybe not to the full extent, but you can't escape it. Well, it's certainly hard to escape. And, and perhaps uh, one key word we can mention is guilt. Um, why are Korean parents doing this no matter where they are in the world? And, and in the beginning, I was very angry at this collective called Parents uh, not including my parents because they were actually very low-key when it came to my education. But but just wondering, why do they do this to their children? They seem like such an easy enemy to pick on. And then I began to sense that there's a tremendous sense of guilt on the part of these parents. I don't know if you feel this as well, but if you don't do the same for your children, and let's say 20 years from now, they don't have the kind of uh, prestigious jobs that uh, people are supposed to aspire to, and will they ever come back to you and say, this is your fault? You're the reason why I am a failure in this society. And and if you think about that possibility, you cannot help but perhaps participate in the same game. That that phrase, I mean, other countries use it, but the, I didn't raise my kid right. Right, right. Or something that that right. is it's very it's it's a it's a thing that can be used as a wedge. Whatever happens to a kid, whether they do commit a crime or whether they didn't go to a good school or mm-hmm. anything that happens, mm-hmm. and so that collective guilt is actually a pretty yeah, interesting. Yeah, related to that, it, uh, one one of the uh, anecdotes that I can offer in California was uh, in uh, in my school days, I did uh, t- tutoring for one summer, and I was tutoring on this Korean family, one thing that struck me was that these parents rewarded me so richly. And they were saying, we both work, we don't have time, and we we just trust that you will, you know, take care of my my kid. And I was just looking for, you know, some allowances, a little bit of money, but they were just, you know, handing me their kids with, uh, they gave me so much money. But then that, that, that kid, poor kid, was becoming a, a juvenile delinquent, mm. and um, we had conversations. And his biggest gripe about their their parents is that they don't care because they're never around. Um, pro- perhaps they don't love me, kind of uh, uh, kind of significance. And I was telling him, no, that's not true. They they love you so much, but this kid was not convinced. So I, I think. This is what's happening in their society. We, we uh, spend so much money when we say it's expensive to raise kids. Uh, we want to spend that money. We do spend that money. And we think that that's a form of love. But these kids don't hear that p- parents saying we love you and we care about you. And they don't have time to dialogue. Maybe we are losing more important things. Right. And succumbing to uh, social and the peer pressures. 
Right. So, Seung, you wrote quite a bit about <laughs> Hell Chosun, about how the educational system is a form of torture <clears throat> for Korea's kids. And we see this unhappiness uh, even empirically through these surveys. Is there a breaking point or is this just simply something that just continues to get squeezed and squeezed and squeezed? Or do you think there will be some kind of major fissure where people just stop saying enough is enough and maybe even some social cohesion, mm-hmm. which is which would be at risk? Well, I think we have certainly seen um, people yearning for a different kind of option and maybe they're not so courageous that they want to um, offer a radically different uh, way of life for their children. But I think in Korea, we're starting to see things like Taeonakyo or alternative schools where supposedly they're offering a different experience from what you will get if you were to attend a normal school. And I think parents have also tried, at least some parents, they tried to vote for different kinds of education officials the hopes that this will bring about reform. Not sure if this is going anywhere. But at the same time, we need to think about the fact that Um, Koreans are having fewer children. Hmm? Is this also a reflection of kind of people's uh, desire to break away from the status quo? Uh, Many people, many young people talk about economic reasons for not having children. But also other people I've talked to tell me that Hmm. uh, they don't want to inflict on their own children what, what they themselves have experienced. And, and what is a better way than to not have children, period? then you have no victims of the system anymore. And this is a really serious problem for Korean society if they want to change the the problem that the government consistently emphasizes of the population Mm -hmm. uh, decline. There's an easy, I think, for Westerners looking at this to say, ah, this is just an Asian problem. All Asians are like this. But it's interesting with those surveys and statistics is that, okay, Korea scores very high with math and science scores and all that. But so do Singapore, so do Taiwan. And if you look at those kids, their happiness index is so much higher than Korean kids. So obviously it's not just this Asian work ethic kind of uh, idea of you. we all want to study. All Asians want to study well, but Mm -hmm. some kids are happier than our kids. I I think that our system um, have in in some common among Asian countries, but uh, our system is a little bit more geared towards competition and more kind of unified uh, track of competition. Uh, I think that the competition has been the name of the game for Korea in many ways, and that's how we got here uh, in the defense of the competition. But it has not been very uh, diversified competition. There's no competition other than the, the school scores and the, it's a very singular very uh, sometimes meaningless uh, score but we uh, give our lives literally for a lot of kids uh, to get to that point I, I think that that kind of uh, thinking uh, has n- not been you know resolved in our a system or in culture right? I think mm-hmm. we're slowly getting there, but Singapore and uh, other countries, uh, fortunately or not, they had influences from, you know, you know, English culture and other Western cultures that kind of emphasizes the balance in their development. Uh, I think that uh, we, our system should develop what is a balance in in Korean uh, culture and what is our competition 
is going to look like, rather than just saying that you know there is a packing order and everything, right. and we have to uh, shoot for the first. So I'm going to assume that um, if you were to have kids one day, uh, this would not this Korean environment wouldn't be the best environment in your view to raise your kids to have them get an education. What do you? What would you hope then, hypothetically? For your kids, how would you give us advice as, a, as an outsider? <laughs> how would you go about raising your kids if you are in Korea? Oh, my God. I mean, I never actually even considered having okay. children. So this is a particularly difficult question. But I hate to say it, but this is something we talked about earlier, that everywhere you go where there is a sizable Korean community, somehow this problem seems to perpetuate itself. Um, I've actually thought about living somewhere where there are no Koreans at all. Let's call it a, a genuine escape from hell, Joseon, mm. right? Um, because uh, there's something, I think as Professor Song said, something very cultural about how Koreans deal with education as, um, as a form of um, way of uh, achieving social, um, social mobility. And, and it has proven to be tremendously toxic but at the same time, we need to acknowledge that Koreans have uh, tried to at least see some valorization of this. Um, they, they have, they're not quite at a point where they want to reject the system completely, which is why even as these figures like how Korean children are the unhappiest in the world you know, comes about, uh, Koreans at the same time point to comments made by visiting foreign dignitaries that there is something to be emulated in Korean education or that Koreans are still excelling when it comes to kind of international standardized tests. So there is this feeling that too much is too much. But I think we're not quite at a point where people collectively want to reflect on an alternative. There are some people who are looking for an escape. But overall... Right. We, we need to suffer a little longer before things can change. And until then, I guess um, I need to think <laughs> a little more carefully about whether to have children or not. Right. And, and it's a very important point because whether you have children or not, whether other people, younger people have children or not, some people just won't have that opportunity. They're not going to have a chance to escape or or pursue something else. And they're, they're, this is their lot in life and they're going to have to make the best mm-hmm. of it. I guess for our final points here, then, what, if anything, can be done? Is it political leadership? Is it something that has to be grassroots changing? Is there some structural reform needed in the education sector or in the economy? What do you think? I think at the beginning of our discussion, we we we, we said that the, what children think and, and they behave kind of emulates what adults do. And if you think about our society, uh, when you get out of the school, all we want was to go to Samsung, Hyundai, and all those uh, big companies, and or Komsa, or you know the prosecutors. Harvard. We had right, yeah. one track mind, <laughs> and uh, that is reflected in our educational system. Uh, the competition we, uh, we're having, I think, it's uh, to a degree a good culture because um, it, it aspires us to to do better. And one of the defense of our educational system to a degree is that because we spend a lot of time uh, in our youth, our, our thinking is geared towards uh, valuing, uh, valuing more about learning and uh, valuing more about uh, making friends in this uh, closed society. But we need to make it more diversified. We need to mm-hmm. make it more meaningful uh, 
uh, competition uh, rather than saying that just you know just one number and one right. uh, the route that, that we can escape to. I think you you mentioned the political leadership. That's their role to to think about the creative and also diversified way of organizing our economic system and the, the diversified chances and opportunities to give people. And that will be reflected in uh, soon in our uh, educational system. And just one uh, last thought. Because we have a Korean wave, uh, think about how many kids are now devoting on the cultural matters and singing and dancing and all those things that make life richer. Uh, I think that this kind of effort should be more diversified and uh, more given from a policy point of view and also as a national effort. Okay. Any final thoughts? Well, since today's Children's Day, this um, this day really actually began in the colonial period out of the recognition that Korean parents were not treating children like human beings. Uh, actually, the if you were to go by the words of important reformers, they were saying parents are treating children like commodities or livestock. And I think we need to step aside, step away from the education issue entirely and just think about children as human beings. And, and can we treat them with a little more respect and try to cater to their desires a little more within reasonable bounds? And I think maybe that it's a good starting point for us. It's an excellent point. A lot of people feel, and this is just kind of an old fogey thing, oh, kids these days, they are, they are disrespectful. Or they're not like us in the old days. But basically, you give respect to get respect. And a lot of it, as uh, Seung did point out, is reflective on the attitudes of the parents or the older generation that these children are basically a blank canvas and they're simply just reflecting a lot of that's going on. Great discussion, uh, both of you guys. I really appreciate you joining us. Obviously, it's a holiday and uh, uh, you were not obligated to be here, but you graciously lent us both your times. Professor Song Se-ryan, Ku Se-ung, thank you both for joining us and uh, hope to talk to both of you guys again soon. Thank you. Thank sure. you very much. Well, before I say goodbye, uh, just to give you a quick reminder, tomorrow is another holiday, as uh, we've been talking about. But uh, we will be live here once again uh, with another edition of Primetime. We'll get you the latest issues and stories, including, of course, a wrap of all the major stories during our News Digest segment. So stay tuned for that. Enjoy the rest of your evening. See you again tomorrow. My name is Henry Shin. Goodbye.